On Sky Sports Radio, time to review the weekend's racing with our stable of experts. He's pretty exciting, this guy. Streeting his rivals. Who impressed? Who didn't? Horses to follow. And have a look at the time. And your calls. Welcome to Punter's Postmortem. Really starting to go through his gears. Just continues to raise the bar. Uh Yeah, good morning and welcome to Hunter's Postmortem on this Monday, the 21st of August. Hopefully everyone had a great weekend on the punt, enjoyed themselves and saw some very good action. And if you also uh, want to get involved with today's show, we've got our panel of guests, Ron Duffy, Chris Roos, David Gately joining us any second you can. 13.53.53 is the open line number. Love to hear from you. Love to hear your thoughts on some of the good performances of the weekend with these good horses being back. And you can also send us a text on the text line 0419 It's going to be another big week for Sky Sports Radio Racing HQ. And myself as tomorrow afternoon we head to Dubbo. We will be broadcasting live in Dubbo on Wednesday morning and on Thursday morning we'll be broadcasting live from Parks as we continue the Racing HQ Sky Sports Radio Kosciuszko Tour. Those tickets are on sale now as we speak at your local or via your tab apps. $5 you can get involved and we had some great chats last week with David McComb, Matty Dunn joined us as well. Things didn't go to plan with Rainbow Connection but Derry Grove, boy oh boy, that combination of Dunn and Rowilla in highways when they come to Sydney, or for that for that fact, any races in Sydney is uh, lethal. Let's get into our panel, though, and welcome them. Ron Duffersey, good morning. Great to see good Group 1 racing back uh, and a good undercard at Ramwick on the weekend. Oh, no, no doubt about it, Dave. It uh, was lovely to get a taste of the good horses, and there's more to come, and that wing stakes is going to provide a terrific form line going forward into all those Group 1s um, over the next few months. We've got Chris Roots joining us on the program as well. Chris, uh, hello to you, mate. Um, d- look, it was a, a bunch finish, but Fangirl got the chocolates there on the weekend. Yeah, and uh, almost fitting that it come in the Cerise Colours, the 150th for Chris Waller. Fantastic race. They really on from about the 1,000 metres, and, and and the best horse won. That was, uh, it was simple as that. Interesting track. Um, I have to give someone a rap here. Nick Ashman, who's got a, a Twitter handle called um, Beat and Favourite, they put out a track, how the track's going to play before meet, before four meetings on Wednesdays. And they got the track exactly right. So if you can predict it, it is not bias. It is what how the track will play. And the jockeys worked it out towards the end of the day. They all got to the middle. That's where all the winners come. It's it's just the way that track plays when it's when it's got a little bit of water on it and and has um, a little bit of softness to it. So, um, well done to those guys and um, hopefully they people found the winners that come down the centre. Uh, also joining us, David Gately and Gately, you were back out and about. I see on Sky Racing One made it another venue on the weekend. Yeah, it was a bit more docile crowd uh, this week. Um, the demographic, maybe the Caulfield uh, demographic was. Uh, was uh, the feature there, but I think they had a good day, and um, yeah, there was certainly uh, some fabulous racing, wasn't there? And you know, I think the highlight was seeing the emotion in in Chris Waller. I mean, you can have all the tricks and um, all the ideas, and as I said last week, I'm happy to talk about anything, but if you promote these great uh, equine athletes, firstly and secondly, the people in charge of the sport. I don't think I've seen a better ambassador than Chris Waller for our sport, and it was just brilliant to watch. You've got to be passionate about something in life, don't you, or you're wasting your time. Uh, well said, and uh, well done, obviously, to Chris and that achievement. Uh, we're going to start the show before we jump in from a punning perspective and, and having a look at the weekend's uh, previous results. Um, I wanted to get Kieran McAvoy on as a special guest this morning. Good morning, Kieran. Hello, mate. How are you? Very good, mate. Uh, there was a, an article I see popping up in the Sydney Morning Herald, and I'll get Chris to touch on this in a moment with you, but uh, Classic Legend retires, and he'll be one of the first horses to retire to your farm, mate. And I thought it'd be a fitting way to start the show to talk about him because um, he obviously put himself on the map with that Everest win, but just a, a very special horse to you and your family. Yeah, definitely, uh, Davies. You know, really sad not to be able to witness him at the track again and, and see his brilliance uh, that we've seen um, there going back a couple of seasons ago. But, um, you know, he's, um, he, he's close to our heart. The, you know, he's a wonderful racehorse. He was one of the best I've ridden. And um, it, was, uh, it, was, it was really pleasing to, to get the nod from Mr Bonho and, and his family to, to, um, to, to be able to you know, retire the horse at our farm. And, 
you know, we'll be able to um, just hack around on him and and, um, and enjoy his company over the coming years. Kieran, um, fantastic that you get the opportunity to do this. And the boys, they, they must love that they're going to have a race horse on the property that they can probably, probably sneak away and try and ride while Dad's not looking. Yeah, they are, Ruder. It's, um, it's, it's, it's obviously the, they've followed the game and, and um, you know, this fella's, uh, he's, 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 a, he's a striking grey horse and, and they love their greys. And, yeah, Cathy and the boys were pretty happy as was with Lever. So it'll be, it'll be great, you know, hopefully. He's got, a, he's, he's, he's got a good temperament, the horse. He's quite smart, so we'll just let him settle down and, you know, hopefully in, in six or nine months or 12 months' time then the boys might be able to have a sit on him and, and have a hack around. So... Um, looking forward to getting him up there. We're going to pick him up later this morning. So, um, as I said, it's it's, uh, it's it's a pity we can't see him on the track, but he's going to have a nice home to retiring. You mentioned, uh, Kieran, that he is one of the best horses you've ridden. Uh, would he... Look, you've obviously ridden some beautiful horses uh, for Godolphin over there in Europe, and you've highlighted that when we've spoken before, but would he be the best Australian horse you've ridden? Probably the best Probably the best Australian sprinter, I reckon. He's, um, you know, he's, he's, he's up there with Red Zell for sure. He's you know, he's. I was watching his his replays last night, and um, you know, he was he was pretty brilliant from an early age. Um, you know, his winning the shorts was unbelievable. He got held up around the corner and coming off the back of them, and 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 when you do that in a in a fast run sprint, you usually run third or fourth, and you ended up rounding him up and and, and one going away. So, um, and obviously then he came out and, and and blew him away in the Everest. So he's he's he was a high class sprinter. He was um, he was wonderfully handled by by Les and his team and. Um, yeah, he was he was okay. he was an exciting horse, and and um, you know he's definitely one of the best best sprinters I've ridden. All right, Kieran. Um, just before we let you go, because obviously today's show is all about the review. It was a nice touch and a nice story, though. Wanted to get you on to mention the fact that obviously Classic Legend retired, and he, but he will be remaining obviously with you and your family. Extremely lucky uh, was a horse that uh, we were all wanting to see. Uh, before Saturday, you um, were lucky enough to trial this horse at Canterbury. What did you make of his show county run? Was it a pass mark for you, or were you disappointed? Yeah, probably we expected a little bit more. I think um, you know he, he, he'd been moving nicely at the trials and doing everything well, but in hindsight, he, he, he was he was just a little bit ring rusty. That's what I said when I got off and and, um, and greeted the connections. He was he was a little bit uh, ring rusty. Um, you know, the ground might have gone against him a little bit, and he. He actually just didn't corner all that well around around the roundwood corner there. He was his first run this way going under race pressure. So um, he, he had a nice blow when I pulled the saddle off. So, you know, we've just got to hope for and, and expect some improvement out of that first up run. He was, you know, he was running at a, at a, at a, at a higher level in, in, you know, coming off the back of 11 months off before he had a racing. So um, improvement to come and, and we can mark him on his next one. All right. Duff, do you want to chime in, ask Kieran anything? Uh, just with the back, the classic legend. He, did he retire a sound horse? So he's 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 a happy sound horse, Kieran. Yeah, he, he is. I think Duffy. He he had that little bit of a bit of a tendon issue that was just flaring a little bit. So Les Les was keeping an eye on it week by week, and um, it showed signs of slightly coming back. So um, they decided to to pull the pin. So he'll be fine. You know, we'll, we'll just be, be be sitting out in the paddock for a couple of months, and then. Put him under saddle and and um, and I'll be hacking around and I'm on, on a weekend duff, so he'll Love be he'll it. be fine to do that and he'll, he'll enjoy retirement. Beautiful, beautiful, Kieran. And last but not least, because uh, from, straight from the horse, we'll jump into this race after we chat to you too. Hinged, uh, obviously, that was a good run from her in that wink stakes. Um, she was always going to appreciate that uh, that ground, and she's run quite well first up. Yeah, it was great great to see her come back and run like that. It was a fantastic run. She. She'd been going nicely at the trials without blowing blowing them away, but she's the sort of mare that gets to the races and switches on, and that's what she did there on the weekend. She she bounced out and, and sat right behind the speed, and and um, she would have enjoyed being able just to wind up a little bit more into the corner, but I was just pocketed away in behind Zaki. But she was building through the line really well to be only beaten a length, so um, fantastic to see her run, run well first up uh, coming back off, off that break. Great to chat with you this morning, mate. Uh, great story as well in the City Morning Herald as we speak. Um, obviously, that uh, classic legend has retired, but he will retire to the McAvoy's farm. So, uh, Kieran, as we just heard then, will be having a little trot around with him, no doubt, on a weekend, and the kids as well. Uh, that's great to hear, mate. Thanks for coming on this morning. Thanks, Dave. Bye. All right. So there is uh, Kieran McAvoy. Let's talk about 
this wink stakes. We just heard then uh, Kieran's comments on Hinge. What did you make of the uh, the wink stakes? I might bring you in here, Gator, because you were watching uh, via the Sky Racing One screens. Obviously, we saw Fangirl get the job done, 150 group ones for Chris Waller. There was some chat about the bunched finish uh, and a few punters uh, sort of saying, oh, is that good? Is that bad? What did you make of the race overall? Yeah, look, it's uh, it's been a common theme the last uh, few seasons uh, from my recollection that um, that they all sort of run well, you know, at this time of year. I mean, they're most of them are Group 1 horses, just at different stages of, of their preparation. So um, generally speaking, if everything's running well, you know, I'm, I'm a bit concerned, but... You know, it, it, what um, offsets that is if they're just racing each other again, it's a, it's a non-event, isn't it? Um, I'd be fascinated just to add Mr. Brightside into that uh, field and what would have happened, but it's a question without an answer. Um, so looking at the times relative to only Class 1 horses, so if I go to the Olympics, I look at the Olympic times, uh, not the, the park run, that's for sure. So early speed here, they went 49.59 first 800, so about five and a half lengths below Group 1 average. Uh, last 600 from the winner, and near four lengths above, she broke 34 seconds for the last 600, did fangirl. But overall time was near six lengths below Group 1 uh, standard. But again, that the tempo being moderate uh, has to be factored in there. So, look, solid enough on the clock, um, but as you know, everything ran well, bar two, probably. What did you make of the wink stake stuff? Oh, look, I think it's going to be a strong form race. As Gator said, this is what we're working with. We haven't got a absolute standout weight for age horse. So we're, we're, we're mixing with this bunch, and um, unless something really puts their hand up, um, I think there's so many good runs in the race. So obviously Fangirl's form speaks for itself, where she's been around the market and unfortunately run into a flying animo throughout her career, and she proved that uh, that form is strong. I'm a big fan of Princess Grace. Mm. I, th- I think she is um, is going to be very hard to beat in all these big Group 1 mares races. Uh, Zaki will come on from the run. Hinge was did her thing. Ozapenko's the one. Um, he uh, was far from ready, and I think you'll see he's going to be ready later on. Maybe, maybe Epsom, Golden Eagle, Cox Plate. Um, he, he would be... I would say right on target for that. They should be very proud of Think It Over, um, how he performed. And then the, the flashing lights from the back, Jewess, Montefilia. Surely there's a win in her before she goes to stud. Uh, they'll, uh, Chris will pick his mark with her. And I thought uh, probably the only horse that had excuses in the race was the three-year-old, uh, King Colorado, who um, showed up that the three-year-olds may shape up to the weight for age this year. Uh, just a little question: Where he, where he is, King Colorado, as as far as he, as he want a mile? Well, I think he wants a mile, uh, but does he want further than a mile uh, to really stamp some authority? And, and as far as the cup's perspective is concerned, I thought Francesco Gardi was unbelievable. Mm. Uh, Chris, what news came out of the race? Yeah, I guess the whole news was Chris Waller and. It's the first time for a long time we've seen Chris so emotional about winning a race. I think when you get to a milestone like 150, it gives you a time to sit back and look back and say what 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 your career's been like. Now we go through his career. He started with Triple Honor. You go then Winks was his 50th Group One winner when she won an Epson. His 100th Group One winner was so the second 50 was basically the Winks 50. He um, Winks won the Queen Elizabeth, his 100th Group Runner winner, and this is life after Winks for the last 50. You've had you've had your Barry Aguilar against and Nature Strips, and now Fangirl gets it. And fittingly, like I said, in the Cerise colours of the human family, who've been such big supporters of Chris, and you know you just have to mention it, and yeah, he he's. Um, he just lost his composure a bit, which Chris has worked on very hard to keep his composure in those situations. But it's fantastic. I've always said with Chris Waller, when you see that emotion, that's the bit, one of the best things about racing. Like Gator said, these are this is how much it means to people. We're not, it's not just a business; it's a it's a passion, it's a love affair. And you know, you ask Chris about it, all his horses, and you can reel off where they all ran. So you know, he was the story um, once again. Four out of the first five home, 
Um, they all ran well. I'm with Dark. I think in Colorado was a, maybe one of the runs of the race. I think, you know, fourth start in a race against the best we've got going around, and it didn't get much room in the straight, and it just kept finding the line. It, it had every right to sort of um, say, no, I don't want to be here mixing with the big boys, and copped a few few punches in the straight and kept on coming. I thought it was excellent. And I, I thought Dewis uh, against the bias was really good too. There's... Um, I think you have to watch the watch the race in the 600 about 400 times to sort of pick out each of the good runs, and very hard not to find not, not to find one that went well. We've got Fangirl, a eight dollar equal favourite for the Epsom handicap. Uh, this is a pre-noms market. Uh, Cobalicia is at uh, eight dollars as well. Ozapenko eight. Uh, you've got Princess Grace. At eleven dollars, um, Princess Grace was as much as twenty six into eleven. She was a horse that you mentioned, Duff. Actually, about when we sort of had a chat, I think it was maybe even last week about you know uh, on the back of the trials, you know, horses that you're really interested in to see how they returned in the uh, for for this prep. And I mean, what after those uh, that run and win she had at Hawkesbury, uh, where she won the the crown, she then had those two trials and comes out and goes bang. And, and I noticed even from the get-go, like Preble was into her straight away and she just kept responding. Yeah, she did. Like, she is very well performed in America and uh, just when Chris gets these horses for the first time, these imports, he just feels them out for their first prep. And you and no, well, 80% of the time, a lot of them will improve dramatic, dramatically in their second uh, Aussie prep, racing prep. And uh, I think she's, even though she's an older mare, uh, I think she'll be a classic case. I think she's high quality. And can she, she can run up, you know, past a mile as well. Uh, I walked past Brad Preble after the yeah. race. And he had this perplexed look on his face. He, he, the way she left down, he thought he had the race won. And he just said, they were so far apart, I, I didn't see the one on the outside. So he, he, were, he was glowing in his report about Princess Grace. And... Just one other thing from the race, um, Jamie Carr on Zaki and the winner sort of come together in the straight a little bit and just took took the line of um, Think It Over late. So it'll probably add a little bit of merit to Think It Over's. Um, Stuart just cautioned them and just said, look, it was a race of incident. They, it was a little bit from the inside, a little bit from the outside and Think It Over didn't, didn't pop a check, just just um, lost, in, was inconvenienced and, you know, it was... Um, it was one of those things, so you can add a little bit of merit to his run. I think he, he's going to the Chelmsford next, talking to Ke- Kerry Parker, like he's already won. Okay. Chelmsford for Think It Over. Let's go to our first caller, and you can give us a call as well if you want to get involved. 13.53.53. Uh, Mark. No, we don't have Mark there. We did have him there. No, we don't have him. Yes, we do now. I've never seen Nick look so scared in his life. Mark, hello to you. G'day, Dave. Mark, uh, what, what's on your mind? Uh, Amazonian last stuff. I uh, immediately looked for the T Rose after the run, but there's no, she's not in the market. She's sixteen hundred. She get sixteen hundred, I think. Well, the way she hit the line on Saturday, you think she would? She came up the wrong part of the track. She was strong late. She was probably wasn't fancied in the market. But um, as we say, we we like to see these three year olds come back, and uh, she stamped herself as one that has improved. Admittedly, only off one run on a wet track, but um, yeah, there, there was a lot to like about her uh, the last little bit of that race. Yeah, I thought she might have been a sneaky bet for the Ferrari, but she's not in the market. Well, I'm sure uh, they'll get her in there. She's not in the flight stakes market. There's no T-Rose market. I went looking for her as well. She's, she's um, yeah, and she's also uh, Adrian also said um, before the race that they think she's more of a staying prospect. So a mile. And, she is in the and, flight and, stakes. And, yeah. She's fifty-one dollars. Is she? She's here fifty-one with tab in the flight stakes down the bottom. Amazonian lass. Um, there you go, Mark. Um, she, Fifty to one. She was she was really good late. Um, I don't know whether there were there was many of them finding the line as good as a, a rounder, and that that made her look a lot lot better. And so was someone loved down the outside. So um, she's going to have to come and get up against the ones that finished in front of her, Kiyomichi and Autumn Ballet, which were excellent as well. And I think they're both going to stretch as well. So um, a very it was it was one one that you couldn't really miss. Um, Amazonian race. 
Beautiful mark, yeah, $51 uh, for Amazonian Lass in the flight stakes. That's a prenoms market. Current favourite there, that's on September 30, by the way, this race. Uh, Legacies, we've got as a 450 favourite in front of uh, Kiamochi at $8, Miracle of Love at $8, August Bloom and Autumn Ballet. Because we're talking about these uh, fillies, gee, I thought the second horse has gone enormous. Um, Duff, Australia, did she... I have to watch the stewards' uh, vision again, but she she just get a bit sort of fired up down the side there, um, and 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 then she came back underneath Jamie. She's gone really well, hasn't she? Oh, she's got enormous. I, I think she's got enormous, considering that she just run on you know uh, well run on fear really. She flew the gates, and then all she wanted to do was charge. And then when she's got a when you're half length in front outside the leader and and then the leader drops off at before the turn and then and then you're left stranded like that in a field like this and to fight fight right to the line there I thought it was an, a, a terrific performance uh, from a very very talented filly who's just not executing so they got a little bit of work to do as far as um, race sense is concerned uh, but. Oh, look, she, oh, I think she'd be very hard to beat in the Furious next time. Um, more so, the, the, the T-Rose horses for me outside the winner was Kamochi, was, was a very good Kamochi. Um, and there's a stayer there, Private Legacy, I think, is could be one to keep an eye on once we get past that mile. I've just got to uh, keep my eye on her as well. So we speak about the Silver Shadow Stakes, but Gator, down in Melbourne, and I am talking to my pocket here, that we saw the Quisette, uh, and we saw this filly, and another I'm Invincible, um, by Mick Price and Mick Ken Jr. Mate, uh, the run that she makes and the way in which she puts this Quisette field away, and I know... Ideally, in the best part of the track, and they were getting out of that middle part. And, and skirt the law's gone fantastic as well. But she's a serious horse, this Charm Stone. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, she was the Blue Diamond favourite from memory in the lead-up run as a two dollar fifteen uh, favourite, but had a respiratory issue, quickly spelled. Um, but she came back and had trialled well, exceptionally well. I mean, fastest time in the morning under a hold. Uh, the rider a bit quiet, drifted back to the last suited by a strong speed, uh, near four lengths above Group Two average. So good, uh, Group Three average. Sorry, at twenty-eight five eight first five hundred. So they actually would have led the Vane Stakes field by about for four to five lengths um, with five hundred to run. So good solid speed helped her, uh, but her sectionals home were terrific. If she's running home eleven forty-eight, um, so the quickest of the day were a couple of those horses in that Vane Stakes, but they came off that moderate tempo I spoke about. She's come home 11.48 in a fast-run race over 1,100 and home 33.6 last 600. You know, that last 600 figure, five and a half lengths above Group 3 Phillies average. So a lot of substance is on the clock. She quickened, um, and that was the theme of the day for a few smart Phillies and mares, Paracel, the other one. Uh, when they're accelerating quickly like that, it's going to win you a lot of races. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, she was impressive. Another impressive performance Gator in Melbourne um, was amenable. Another one for Mick Price, Mick Kent Jr. And when I chatted with him on HQ last week, uh, it was on the Wednesday when we were in Lismore, he said, this uh, this horse has got a lot of ability. We've had to take our time with him. We took him over to the Australian Guineas uh, and he was beaten that day by Legato. But they think he's a, a definite Golden Eagle horse, this amenable. And another one that had to make a sustained run and was very good. No, terrific win. Um, he's a new season four-year-old who had to give some pretty seasoned um, and handy older horses weight. So he carried 59 kilos, uh, sat back off what was only a moderate speed, uh, 48.6 first 800, had them about a half length below all averages. So he uh, still rounded them up and won well. Sectionals home good, 11.40 amongst the best of the day, last 200. Um, and as I say, did it with weight. Um, I'm trying to line him up with uh, a horse called Attrition, another new season four-year-old who ran in the Lawrence. Uh, the problem was the two races were, uh, were run just at completely opposite ends of the spectrum. I mean, 48-6, first 800 for the amenable race. In the Lawrence, they were 46-3-1 off a standing start, first 800. So, unfortunately, we didn't get that guide. Uh, but, look, both of those four-year-olds ran enormous, I think. Got to get it added to the market. Uh, if anyone listening from TAB, I know that sometimes the traders 
uh, listening amenable. Uh, that was a race they wanted to uh, to at least have on the table. So that Golden Eagle market, we see Giga Kick is a four dollar favourite. Amelia's Jewel at four fifty. Legato at eleven dollars. Ozapenko eleven. Aft Cabin fifteen. In Secret fifteen. Kovalisha 15, uh, Alentia at 15. So we need to get Amenable, which was the winner there on the weekend uh, in that 1,400-metre Thoroughbred Club Australia handicap because that's where they wanted to... Uh, well, that's what an option was. And it's going to be a lot, of the, a lot of the case for a couple of these four-year-olds that we now see these new season four-year-olds going forward. Uh, Duff, what did you make of Cylinder? He was very short. Our eyes were on him. Um, he just didn't sort of burst away like we thought he would. No, no. I think... Um... The anticipation was there that he'd come back well, and um, the SP said he, you know, he was going to blow them away. Um, he, they run. I know it was different run races, but they run slower time than the Philly, Charmstone. So, yep, yeah, he's. I'm not here to bag winners, uh, but let's see what he does next time because um, there was a thought there that he might be the dominant sprinting three-year-old mm. uh, going into that race, and that's not. Um, yeah, well, that's not out of the question yet, but um, we'll just see how he comes on from this run as far as I'm looking at it and uh, see what happens next time. But I think advantage Charmstone there on Saturday as far as the three-year-olds are concerned. He'd only had one, Chris, uh, he'd only had one run in Melbourne before, though. that was in the, the Cooper um, at Caulfield, and he ran second on that occasion behind Little Bros, of course, who then came out and, and won the Blue Diamond. Um, obviously later that season. But, I mean, what did you make of it? And have Godolphin said anything to the press about this particular horse, Chris? Well, I think the one thing you've got to take out of it, and trainers are creatures of habit, and they usually follow the same paths with their better horses, and this is the animo path. That's what Godolphin think of this this bloke. They think he's on, on that sort of progression. Now, they went down to the vein first up, Realistically, they didn't go that hard, and I know we're expecting to blast away from them and win. And he probably deserved to do more. But when they go slow in front, and go to guy can talk better to this than I can. Every horse can run a certain time home, and he ran the time home, and the other horses could run that time home because they had nothing taken out of them early. I'll wait and see how he goes when there's a bit more pressure in the race. I think it's a really salient point, um, and it's one that's often uh, overlooked. Um, here's the reality. Uh, I could run a 10-kilometre uh, race and match motors with um, some of the best in the world if they're not going hard. Uh, if they're just jogging, I can keep up with them. Um, if they use their uh, talent, which is their sustained speed, I will be beaten out of sight. Um, so that's the reality, and I think it's often forgotten with horse racing uh, that they are athletes as well. And if we're all jogging, they can all keep up with each other. Uh, and they can't. And Gator, the other thing is they can't run. They can't run 31. They can run 32, uh, just under 33. But not you can't get those gaps because everyone can run has a hot, the same top end speed. It's just how long they can hold it for. Yeah, that's it, and that's what separates, doesn't it? Um, a, a really elite athlete from a garden variety one, and um, that's just, yeah, that's just a reality. And look, he did give him weight as well. He had the penalty, the 58. Um, I, I'm a big fan of Brad Davidson. He described the win as disappointing. I don't think I've ever described a winner as disappointing in my life. Um, I think they all have merit. Um, I take Brad's point that it was, uh, I'd say, tradesman-like. Um, but what, yeah, but, I know Brad's yeah. not here to defend himself, so it's... I'm not, the I'm not bagging. No. I'm not bagging. No, no. no I'm just saying that yeah. it's just a different perspective. I'm just offering a different perspective from someone who I respect greatly, that's all. Yeah. Um, that, that's all I'm saying, yeah. I wonder if that's price reflective. Like if cylinder was yeah, $7. Yeah, Expectation. Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing too is uh, when you speak of the Animo path, uh, Chris, so obviously Shinzo's four fifty favourite for the Golden Rose. Cylinder is $6 second favourite. Then we see Militarise at $8. King's Gambit, 11 uh, We've got Kadansky Abstract at $15. Very interested to see what happens with him because when I interviewed James McDonald recently... And I'm sure, Duff, when you've spoken to him on Saturdays, etc., that day at the trials when he trialled Shinzo, he trialled Militarise, etc., he kept coming back to Kadinsky Abstract. 
which we know obviously has an engine. It's been 17 to 15. King Colorado, we saw on the weekend, it's at $15 there. Red Resistance at 15 and um, Cabalus at, at $26. So uh, Charmstone as well has been a firmer off the weekend. $101 it was in the Golden Rose, now into a $26 price. So Shinzo, four fifty. Do we do we think that's the correct market for the Golden Rose at this stage? I know what we've got a couple of weeks up our sleeve, but do you think Shinzo deserves to be favourite? Well, he he'll answer that question when he resumes. Um, so, like most in the market, there there there's going to be a lot of twists and turns um, when we we get another look. At, you know, get a, get a look at these horses. You know, we've we've seen Cylinder, um, we've seen Charmstone. Um, so we've got to see Shinzo militarise, uh, commemorative. The uh, we've seen King Colorado. Whether they can keep him fresh enough for that fourteen hundred is the question. Um, Red Resistance. We've seen one trial which let us down a little bit, and then we've got you know all these other horses have got to uh, show that they've come back at three as well, or if they've improved or just plateaued. What about the performance of uh, Buenos Noches? We saw the show county quality. We we spoke to Kieran McAvoy earlier to start the program, and we spoke about extremely lucky, uh, who was a significant drifter on the the morning of the race. Just continued to drift and drift and drift and drift. Uh, Colino SP'd at three dollars. There was good money around for Buenos Noches. Look, Chris Roots. I know that Inglis sold uh, their spot uh, in the Tab Everest. But, gee, this horse would have been a nice story for them. And I know they sold for plenty. But uh, this, he was at a $40,000 English classic purchase. And uh, they could go on the ride of their life with Buenos Notches. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many phone calls Matt's missed taken for the last couple of days. Now, I know this race isn't the top liners and and it isn't a race that that has, um, has, has come out as, you know, with where it's raced against proven horses at the top level, but he's run 45-14 home and come from back in the road, blowing them away. And then Dylan Gibbons said, when he got off it, he goes, I still had something there. He just switched off. As soon as I got to the front, he just switched off and floated. So um, if there's more to come on top of that, he's a serious contender and he'll be, he'll be right in races leading up to the Everest. And if he can get a slot, he'll be, um, he'll be you know, probably a, $10 chance in an Everest, you know, you've got to remember, it took, uh, he almost ran down Giga Kick in the Danehill last year. That's the closest any any horse got to Giga Kick for the whole of the whole of his preparation at, at level weight. So, had a bit of a, and, um, was a, had a virus going after, virus and pulled up lame after the new market. So, put a line through that and, what we what you see is what you get. He's a very good sprinter, and it's good to see Maddie Smith have a good one. And putting Dylan Gibbons on is a big, big um, plus plus for the young apprentice. What did you make of the wind, Duff? Oh, he's a good horse. He's a good horse, and uh, I look. I can see it. it wasn't the cream of the crop of the sprinters, but um, he's a young four-year-old. He carried fifty-eight and a half. And you know, versus you know, 53. Some of these fancies down the bottom. It was soft. He's got improvement to come, and um, yep, that form around him speaks for itself. So he's he's just slipped the system all the way through. But when you look at his form, it's serious form. And if he comes out and wins again next time, he's in. Um, some people may want to just sit back and see him do it again, but his record says that he can. So um, yeah, he's a very interesting horse. Uh, as far as how you're going to come on from that, which I think he will. And to do what he did there on Saturday, I thought it was, was excellent. Gaynor? Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan. Uh, I, I tipped him to win a Lightning first up last time in, and he was just run off his feet in a fast run 1,000 metre race. He matched motors with the absolute elites. And as uh, Ruta mentioned, the genuine excuses Newmarket spelled came back trial brilliantly. And that win was nothing short of outstanding. Um, a booming last 600 figure. Rudis touched on the sectionals there, but the last 600 was had 10 lengths above average. He did it with weight. You know, I think uh, that's uh, a really salient point of Duff's as well. Gave the runner up four and a half, then five and a half to the third horse. As a new, you know, he's still a baby a little bit. So um, I, I'm right at the top of the table fan club wise. 
Yeah, he's a, he's a he's a beauty, and good to see Matt Smith with a good horse, and good to see Dylan Gibbons getting that opportunity as well. Argentia was great in defeat. Uh, Dragonstone. Speaking of Argentia, what about Joe Pride? We talk about uh, good trainers in this country. We talk about Chris Waller and 150 Group Ones. This bike's got to be in the top five, um, definitely, in my opinion. Anyway, Duff, in terms of our trainers in Australia, Joe Pride, he backs up Prince Pessa, um, and she just went whoosh. Yep, and um, he, yeah, he is a master. He is really. He's he's, he's um. He's not an old man. He's a, he's still real, really young, Joe. But he's just he's, he he knows his horses. He's worked them out. He went he went to the stewards there on Saturday. They're going to ride this Argentia close. I don't think I've ever seen her in front of more than one horse in her in a race. Yeah, <laughs> she said three wide, no cover, and and probably the right tactics because she just kept whack whack whacking away and was coming again at the finish. So I. She, there's a win in her, surely, um, soon. But, uh, yeah, he's a, to do what he did with Prince of Pessa, just the thinking, you know, well, she's going for a spell anyway. And, um, uh, you know, she might as well go around. I'm happy with her. It's just a wet track, which she likes. So they've got a big payday within three or four days there. And then even the other one that he had in there, I think she's, I'm sure she's going through the digital sale tomorrow or the next day. Lady, Lady Brooke. Yeah, Lady Brooke. He says, "Okay, let's have a that's a wet track. Let's have a throw at a grip race." <laughs> she's two hundred to one, and she's gone from whatever she was going to bring out the sales. You can times that by four now, being a group place getter. Yeah, exactly right. I talked to Joe after Principessa and after after Argentia and Principessa. He said, "I was on a hiding to nothing. I've never said said I've done." the three-day backup with horses that have run well and into a Saturday meeting, but I've never done it with a winner. And, you know, he said the horse was going so well, I, I just threw him in. He carried two kilo penalty for the Wednesday win, and it rained them. It was a, it was a really, really good win. Argentia, he was very proud, proud of her. It took a really good horse to beat, beat her, and he's got her humming. I think she's going to be... She might be the Maria Mia of this season. Like she, She's going she's gonna to win a, win a nice race coming through. He's... He's got races like the Invitation, the fourteen hundred metres. I think yeah. he thinks seven will really suit her. And he and he also mentioned the Alan Brown Stakes, which is a week before the before the King Charles. It's fourteen hundred metre handicap. I think you might find that that might be a target for her going forward. So she's going to be one to watch. I don't know. I don't know where he'll go to Soraka or um, he was mentioning the Theo Marks at thirteen hundred next start. So. Um, and I think you might see Bonos not just in the Theo Marks as well. Just, just the timing with him, it's a bit hard to go back to 1100 now. So the 1300 in the Theo Marks into a premiere and hopefully into an Everest. Okay. We'll take a quick break. It's 9.45. Give us a call on 13 53 if you're keen to get involved with the show. Plenty of texts we'll get to after this break. Ron Doversy, Chris Roots, David Gately. Your panel this morning on Punters Postmortem. You're listening to Sky Sports Radio and Punters Postmortem. You most certainly are, and we've got plenty of callers coming through on the line. We're going to have a chat with them. Uh, 1350-353 is the open line number. We're going to go to Ken, who's on the line. G'day, Ken. Yes, good morning, boys. How's it going? Good, mate. Uh, uh, what's your question? Yeah, a question for Ron Dubsey, if I may, Ron. Uh, red card. We spoke about it in the order. Come out and run a record time and everything. Do you know what's happened to it, mate? I, th- I think it's trialling at Hawkesbury today. Oh, there yeah, you go. It is dark. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, she's trialling at, at Hawkesbury today. So she's up and running and, um, yeah, won't be far off having a run, I don't think, Ken. So I don't think, I don't think there's any issues with her. So if you can get on um, uh, Thoroughbred Central this morning, you might be able to even catch that trial. Beautiful. And I think, you're, just quickly, you're right about Francisco Gardi. I heard you say... Caulfield Cup, or so I picked it out Friday night. I thought, gee, I think it's set for the Caulfield Cup. This thing, yeah, I think so. I think so. Mm. And the time, and you know, he's got the trainer that'll get the timing right with him because they, they got their pictures. They've they got that couple of races eyeing off them, eyeing off them, and he'll be ready on the day. I reckon. Thanks very much, Ron. Cheers, Ron, mate. Uh, let's go to our next caller on the line. We're going to Tony. G'day, Tony. G'day, Davo. What's on your mind, mate? I just wanted to ask what the acronym um, NOP means in relation to odds. I hear it all the time from you guys, and uh, I don't know, actually know what it means. Duff? NOP is uh, it's the, um, well, it's the, the pricing. It's the, it's the price. Isn't it an average price of... Yeah. 
of New South Wales. Of New South Wales. So they might hit the, yeah. Yeah, it's it's they they take a oh, there's NOPs, there's you know, it's, it's all depends what state you're in and, and it's uh, yeah, it's just a pricing thing. Yeah, I know I just thought it actually the letters actually stood for something. Uh, I mean, I do hear QAP, obviously, Queensland. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I asked a couple of punters up the pub, and they didn't know. Never heard the, of it. The New South Wales official price, um, the NOP, but, but it's done via an average. Does it include the exchange as well? I, I'm not no, sure it if it's no. an average of bookmakers' prices or something. So it's, there's the on-track the prices, average. the NOP, and the, and the tab prices. Everyone's got their own price, but I think it's a... An average or something, Chris. I think takes in. I think it takes in the about twelve or thirteen corporates and the online on course price, and it's just like the official fluctuations. But because the marketplace has moved off track, they have to come in and they have to bring the the corporates in because that's where the bigger influence is now. There's not as much money on track, of course, with the way things are going. Uh, if you're still there, Tony, just type yes, in so official Dave. price. Go to this website, officialprice.com.au. It's powered by Dynamic Odds in partnership with Racing Victoria, Queensland and Race New South Wales. The official prices aim at providing the most accurate reflection of the wagering market in relation to betting on thoroughbred racing. The official price commences 25 minutes prior to the scheduled race time for Metropolitan Race Meetings and 20 minutes prior for Country Race Meetings in accordance with the following methodology. So price increase, the price must be available for at least 40 seconds and must be detected at least 40 seconds prior to the actual start time of a race. A price decrease, all price decreases instantaneously create an official fluctuation. Race time, a fluctuation will only be recorded if it's detected at least 40 seconds out from an actual race of start time. Fair like playing Cluedo. Uh, yeah. the it's, there, <laughs> it's there to look after the bookmakers. It's it's, it's, it's all to do with this with these betting with the best best I lo- luck. I love how yeah, I love how that. Uh, so we've got the what? How many did you say? Twelve corporates on it, uh, Ruder. I think there's. I think it's it's, it's got to be reflected. But they all run off the exchange anyway. So yeah. why isn't the exchange on there? And they don't put the best <laughs> price up anyway because three of them have got to have the best price for it to go up. So yeah. if you're anyone that bets best fluck these days has got rocks in their head. I'll tell you what you. Um should be having a, look, a serious look at all punters. Go back and have a look at the SPs on wherever you're betting, whether it be TAB or another corporate or whatever, and start having a look at the tote prices. The tote's paying better at the moment, obviously, with what's happening with percentages and takeouts, but a lot of the time, unless you get one that the syndicates just bang and, you know, it's, it's off the charts, but I, I, you'll find a lot of the best totes, especially on Saturdays, were paying higher than what you're taking for odds. So, because and that's because Dave, the the margin that the bookmakers have to take out from all the taxes, have got closer to the tape margin. So, you know, the tape can can throw out a road price for the guy with red card. It's going around ten twenty one. James McDonald in the saddle. So, obviously, obviously been been marked as one of the better ones there for James coming to this morning. All right, let's go to Mark who's on the line. Good day, Mark. Hey Dave. Go boys. How are we? Good mate. Uh, obviously, I want to talk about Cressetti's win on Saturday, a real car code. I don't know if any of you blades. I know Duff saw it because he mentioned it yesterday on Thoroughbred Weekly. But, again, he's, he's, a, he's a, just a, a great horse in regards to speed at the start of the race and speed at the end. His sectionals, which I saw this morning from the Zill website, he came home like 24, 24 seconds for the last... Well, this is Kiwi horse. 400 metres. Oh, he's a good horse, mate. Yeah, he's you a found a really him. good horse. I think you found another one, Mark. I think you found another one there. I didn't. Know. We we looked it up when you called a couple of last week or the week before, and you were 100% on that horse to sprint from the front like that. I don't think we're going to see him this year, uh, but we might see him in the autumn. That horse, he's um, he's exciting. Well, you know what, Duff? I'll ask your opinion about this horse. I know this is a far fetched thing, but you know we talked about the whip stakes and and the way the race finished up and whatever. What I find, and I've looked at the last three week stakes field. We're missing that three-year-old that's coming out of maybe a golden slip or something. And for, unfortunately this horse has been a late groomer and, and whatever. But if he had a couple of starts going to this race on Saturday with his speed and the 50 kilos, you can talk about Kid Colorado being unlucky, but he's a backmarker. This mm. horse here is a totally different horse. He's a jump, run, he, he can sort of sit and he sprints. 
And his next big outing, or not his next big outing, but the race they're after, is the 2000 in Guineas over a mile in November. I mean, yep. all these races in between that he could have uh, probably looked at. And a race like the Wing State is a race where uh, if, you've got, if you've got the ability, the X Factor, against horses that are having a first run from the spell, you're getting seven or eight kilos from them. I mean, it's, I don't know, mate. You've got to look at something like that. Oh, that's why I couldn't, I can understand militarised. It's what I, also I was going to ask you. I mean, he, when he won the English size produce over 400 metres, he raced against sprinters. He didn't race against horses that are staying. Like Dawn Colliani, Fear Pressure, Leo, Faces Load. And I would have loved to see him run in that race. I know Chris Waller doesn't like doing those sort of things, but he was 50 kilos, 400 metres at Rarewick, first up. That's where the punting would be looked at. I mean, you're all talking about Kikarada. Very good horse. Great run in the JJ. But that, this horse would have been a bit closer maybe than what he did. And it uh, would have been an X factor to see how he would have done it. Which horse are you day. talking about, Mark? Which horse just then? Militarised. 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 It was nominated for the English. It was nominated for the wing, right? They would have got a start for short in the 104 radar. But obviously, Chris having all these horses in there and other plans. But I think a million dollar race when you're getting 50 kilos. Oh, boy, boy I would love to see him giving a, give a, a shot at it. Mm, yeah, so there's just so many. It's such a long spring, Mark. You can't run them mm. in everything. So Bluefield Guineas, that's his race. Yeah, probably. Yeah, Cox play. Cox play, you reckon? Yeah, Caulfield Guineas into a Cox play. Yeah, he's just... He was split uh, them up. I take, I take Mark's up. point. I take Mark's point. But, you know, Chris had eight in there and... And the three-year-old, whether he had enough work into his legs to get to the 1,400 yeah. first up, that would have been the problem. And the other thing, too, is if King Colorado comes, which I don't think it will, but if King Colorado doesn't come out and then doesn't perform like expected, we'll all be referring to, oh, well, should have been thrown in the deep end, you know, um, in the wing stakes. But, um, you've got to, and you've got, to, you've got to also consider he's owned by new, the Newgate Syndicate and they've got... A size and champagne winner, a dual group one winner. Well, they nearly won it with Princess Grace. Yeah, they've they've got to um they've got to protect him to a little bit extent and probably keep him to his own age until you know later in the season and throwing him in first up against probably the cream of our weight for age horses would have been Mm. a big ask ask and and you know you've got to think. As you said, there's a long, long spring to well, come. And interesting, in the in the Caulfield Guineas, market militarises a 450 favourite. Then you've got King Colorado at $6. Steparty at 6 V8, that uh, nice horse for the McAvoy's, is at $8. Blazing Harry, 11 Crystal Legend, 11 Cylinder, 11 um, Don Corleone's there, Libertad. So from a Waller perspective, uh, I think the next best horse that Waller's got, has he got, he's got Tannhauser, hasn't he? Yep. Um, so, well, there you go. So he's got Militarise and Tannhauser as the only horses in that top ten from a bookie's perspective in that Caulfield Guineas market. So uh, let's get to uh, Peter on the line. G'day, Peter. Uh, morning, gentlemen. Uh, I've got a question for Gator, if I could. Yes, mate. Uh, it's regarding the last race at Caulfield. I was pretty impressed with Right You Are. I was wondering what Gator thought of that run. Yeah, look, it was a terrific return. Um, he certainly had you know, every chance in the run, but he was only first up. He had 60 and a half, which he's earned, uh, given his rating and what he was able to achieve last prayer. But he was just no match for, for Jimmy the Bear, um, that last little bit, who had the fitness advantage on him. Uh, but look, you'd mark it as, a, as, a, as an excellent return. Beat home Barclay Square, beat home Smoking Romans and, and a lot of good horses. The race itself... Uh, rated um, probably down a bit uh, over the mile, um, you know, about seven lengths below class average overall figures. But, um, but look, a lovely return uh, from a really good second-level horse, I think. Yeah. Do you know where he's heading? I'm not sure. It, it's not beyond this stable to have a throw at the stumps, though, is it, at the highest level, and then they can always come back. It seems to be a general theme of things. It worked for them last year to some extent with a horse like Smoking Romans who was able to win... Um, a key lead-up race, was it um, naturalism or something like that? So I just wonder if that's the target, but I don't actually know. All right. Thank you very much for your call, Peter. Saturday we've got in Sydney at Rose Hill. We're back. On the 26th, we've got the San Domenico. Uh, currently a soft five there, by the way, in relation to a track condition. Uh, that was updated this morning at 8.25. So a soft five at the moment at Rose Hill. And weather expected ahead in Sydney. Our Sydney weather for the week. I think we've got a good week ahead 
uh, gents. We've got, um, yeah, sunshine all week. Top of 25 tomorrow, 20 on Wednesday. A bit cooler on Thursday, uh, but no rain predicted until Sunday. That's when the rain's expected to arrive in Sydney. Melbourne weather this week, and I think we're looking at a bit of rain around tomorrow around Melbourne. Uh, so uh, they are tipping... Uh, rain, not showers. So rain in Melbourne tomorrow, but then cloudy for the remainder of the week. So we've got the San Domenico here in Sydney, along with the up and coming. Uh, and then in Melbourne, we're back at the Valley uh, on Saturday, where we have... Uh, what have we got on Saturday? What have we got? Uh, on the Carlon. That's our feature race there in Melbourne. So that's the Valley. And track conditions at the Valley thus far, it's not giving me anything at the moment. So not on Racing Australia anyway. So that is the week ahead. And we've also got uh, Saturday Racing there in uh, Doombin at uh, Brisbane. We've got Belmont in the West and Morpherville Parks on uh, South Australian Racing as well. Uh, We've got the Leon McDonald Stakes as well, by the way. Uh, A feature race there. In, it'll be a listed race for Leon uh, in Adelaide. Now, we need some uh, horses to follow. Uh, I'll start with you, Duff. What are we following from the weekend? Yeah, it's got to be obvious for me. Princess Grace heading forward. Ozapenko heading forward. I'm going to give Estriella another chance if she runs in the 1,200 next time. And one from the trials in on Wednesday. I've been waiting, waiting, waiting for this filly. A little bit put off by, uh, you know, no, no big name. Well, I thought... It's a filly called Loss from the Godolphin team. She's trialling the house down. Um, they got Tyler Schiller on it, no James McDonald or, or their usual jockeys, which puts me off a little bit, but um, gee, she's trialling well. OK, I like that. Uh, Gator, what are we following? Uh, I just saw the trial of Giga Kick this morning at Cranman on, on socials. Um, beat uh, What You Need, Magic Time, um, in an extremely strong heat. None of them under any pressure, but... Um, Gee, it's good to have those <laughs> class horses back. He looks a million dollars, Giga Kick. Not that I'm uh, a guru on, on horse looks. Um, horses to follow. I'll give you two from each state because that's the sort of guy I am sometimes. Uh, Karini was a lovely return at Corfu, some of the best sectionals of the day. Attrition wide in a fast run. Lawrence thought he measured up really well. Two from Sydney, Sky Lab and Kamochi. Perfect. Thank you very much. And Chris Roots. Yeah, from the, the ones going forward for later in the spring, I thought Cleveland was excellent. Just revved up late, and um, he, he looks like he's right on track. I think Chris Lee's might might find a nice staying race with him. Tim Colorado, as I said, and Amazonian Lass on the worst part of the track. And just two out of the highway, um, never, ever got a crack at them. And Crop, crop Duster and Airliner, they both went around big prices, and they'll probably go big around big prices again, and they'll be well worth having an each-way ticket on next time. Have a great uh, week, guys. Um, looking forward to the trials and good horses again. Catch you next Monday on Punters Postmortem. See you, guys. See you, mate.